Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. Here we do it bigger, we do it better, we do it longer, and out of necessity, we'll do it louder than anyone out here. So relax. Here's your host, Hushmo Black. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. It's Saturday, April 27th, y'all. Our last weekend in April 2013 here, y'all. Welcome to the Hushmo Black Forum. How y'all doing out in cyberspace? Yeah, it's a beautiful day here in the ATL, y'all. I, I don't know what the temperature is. must be close to must be 70 degrees out here today. Just a lovely, lovely weekend in the ATL, y'all. Uh Got a great show for you coming up uh, this evening still. I guess uh, uh, the Boston uh, bombing up there, that marathon thing, is still dominating the news here. Uh, pretty much. I mean, that's just uh, turning into uh, quite a story. <clears throat> Trying to uh, make heads or tails of it. So we're going to look uh, briefly at that. We've got uh, W.E.B. Du Bois coming up. One hour, uh, 12 disciples that we're going to be touching on this evening. Uh, yeah, that's our 12 disciples. The rise and fall of Jim Crow happens to be our uh, New uh, project. That's our latest uh, project that we're working on, uh, trying to get that thing out for uh, the Christmas season, uh, Thanksgiving Christmas season this year. Our twelve disciples, the rise and fall of Jim Crow. We kind of take a look at uh, that uh, separate equal era in our, our country's history. Uh, I take a look at uh, twelve uh, of our uh, heroes here in uh, our community, the American Zachary said uh, community, and uh, we kind of uh, tie their stories uh, together. Uh, and sh- and uh, I just tell uh, the story of how. Uh, it was that uh, they did uh, bring about uh, both the rise and the fall of uh, the Jim Crow laws here in the country. Uh, yeah, it's obviously it's more than twelve <laughs> of uh, our heroes that uh, deserve credit. We, we we just narrowed it down to twelve. Obviously, we'd be uh, we'd have to. It'll take. Uh, it would take a uh, an encyclopedia to try to uh, to write about uh, all our heroes who uh, led that fight uh, against uh, uh, the separate equal laws here in this country. Uh, so we, we yeah we narrowed it down to twelve, but uh, yeah, and 
<clears throat> what we've been doing over the last uh, three or four weeks, four or five weeks, I should say, is uh, kind of giving you, uh, my listening audience, a brief uh, look into uh, the 12 disciples as I see him. <laughs> hey, this is me now. <laughs> it's the, hey, y'all. Welcome once again to the Hushmore Black Forum, where our motto is to do it bigger, to do it better, to do it longer. And out of necessity, sometimes we'll do it louder out here on the Hushmore Black Forum. Uh, we don't <laughs> we don't like to get loud, yeah. We, we try to keep everything on the even keel out here on the, uh, on the Hushmore Black Forum. But it yeah, we we uh, advocate for uh, social justice on behalf of uh, America's African descent. Not not because we don't love everybody now. Hold hold up, y'all. We love everybody out here. We just happen to be a part of that uh, community and by extension, find ourselves uh, advocating on their uh, behalf. Yeah, so 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 uh, that's what we do out here on the Hushbow Black Forum. Try to try to provide a platform for uh, the ninety percent in our community that uh, is very seldom heard uh, in the in the uh, conversation of today. And we try to provide a platform for them. Oh yeah, we got our ten percent. Our ten percent uh, is out there. Uh, doing a great job on our behalf every day. Uh, we appreciate so much the work of uh, those folks. We think that uh, everybody has got to uh, get involved in our community. Everybody. We we need everybody. <laughs> hey, today... Uh, these are trying times, yeah. Oh yeah, we we need the voice of everybody in the community. Stand up, and to stand up, and uh, be counted. Hey, make your voices heard. I mean, join in the uh, in this struggle, if you will. Hey, it's still a struggle here, y'all, in this country. Hey, hey it's about uh, seven minutes after seven o'clock, y'all. Yeah. We we just trying to follow uh, the NFL draft to y'all. By the way, it is the NFL draft here uh, this, uh, uh, yesterday and today. I guess this is uh, the last day of it, two days. We try to keep up with the Falcons, y'all. You know, we're, we're a hometown. <laughs> you know, what we do now on the Hushbow Black uh, Forum now, we, we're a hometown. Uh, <laughs> we're hometown folks here. <laughs> yeah, we root for all uh, the ATL teams. So, uh, you know, we, we try to see what the Falcons are doing. Looks like we've got a couple of good picks in the first couple of rounds. Desmond Trufant and Robert Allfort. Allfort. I want to thank them uh, for uh, coming to the ATL. I want to, I want to congratulate the Atlanta Falcons on picking two outstanding uh, cornerbacks. Looks like. Looks like we, yeah. Uh, so we're going to see what happens. But it looked like we got two great, great uh, young cornerbacks. And we did need cornerbacks. The Falcons did, yeah. Hey, we all over the place here, y'all. <clears throat> you know, we do that out here on the Hushmo Black Forum. <laughs> yeah, we do a little sports. Uh, so we're watching that draft, trying to see uh, 
I want to congratulate the uh got to congratulate the Atlanta Braves, y'all. We're still in first place here. It doesn't hit a little rough spot, but we've been having people in and out of the lineup. Fred, get Freddie Freeman back. As soon as we get Freddie Freeman back, Jason Haywood go down with a uh, appendectomy. Uh, so hopefully he'll be back within a week or so, and uh, we can kind of settle into uh, our main lineup. And Because, uh, yeah, Brian McKinn, our, our all-star catcher, is coming back. Get him back. Get get uh, Jason back in there, and I think we're gonna do some damage. Get uh, BJ and Jason, all of them going, uh, starting to hit. Uh, we're gonna be pretty good, yeah. Justin is a monster in the middle. We know him and uh, Freddie is gonna is gonna do nothing but rake in that three and four spot. That three and four spot is solid for us, y'all. We we're gonna do some damage. Uh, Jason just hit his twelfth home run today. He looks like he's going to hit 15 home runs before the month. Is, looks like he's going to hit 15 to 16 home runs in April. Yeah, he's going to break the age. Trying to, he's too uh, all from the record, which is 14. Uh, got four more games here in April. I think he's going to get there. Yeah. This guy's a, got one of the best right-handed swings I've seen. No doubt. We're trying to see uh, what's going on here, y'all. I don't know. We we done did something here. uh, Trying to see what we got here, y'all. We need to get a running back at some point. The Falcons, I'm just... just, Hey, we we just... uh, Trying to keep up with what's going on, y'all. Hey, y'all, welcome to the Hushbow Black Forum once again. It's Saturday, April 27th, y'all, 2013. We just are uh, uh, so glad to uh, be with y'all out here this evening. We're going to take a quick pause for uh, for the calls, y'all. Is it time yet for a break, y'all? Hey, somebody said it ain't time yet. Hold up. <laughs> hey, we don't know. We can see it. Somebody said it ain't time yet. Okay. Yeah. We uh wow, I'm surprised we didn't uh we did not get one running back in this whole draft, y'all. I'm a little disappointed with that, but I think we got some I'm a little disappointed with that. I thought for sure we'd uh I thought for I thought for sure we'd get one running back, but uh, I guess I, I feel as though we're set there. Maybe we'll sign a, sign a couple of free agents to come in. Wow. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the High School Black Forum once again. We are going to take a quick pause here for the calls. It's about 11 minutes after the hour, y'all. We'll be right back. Y'all hang in there. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us, Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m., right here in cyberspace.
Thank you, Mr. Hushmo Blackpool. You got me your host this evening, the Hushmo. We, uh, look like, uh, they've got a, uh, another suspect in this, uh, this rising, uh, incident where people sitting, uh, people are sitting, um, sent the letters to the president and this uh, senator from Mississippi, uh, some letters through the mail uh, with rising uh, uh, pores and uh, uh, laced <laughs> uh, letters, I should add. And, uh, they, they locked up one guy, apparently uh, the wrong guy. I, I don't know how they, what's going on here with our law enforcement. Yeah. They locked a the guy for two or three days, wound up having to release him and uh, lock somebody else up a day. I mean, <laughs> what? What what in the world's going on with our law, law enforcement uh, folks here today? I I don't know. I, I'm, wow, I just don't know. Something is uh, amiss. Something is amiss here. Yeah. But anyway, they got they got they got another guy locked up, charged with. Uh, Charged with uh, <clears throat> sending, uh, he's sending letters to uh, to the president. Yeah, so we uh, we uh. I guess we we just gonna have to wait and see if uh, how the thing gonna work out. Uh, we we don't know whether our law enforcement can get anything uh, <laughs> can get anything right here <laughs> or not. Uh, I. I, I don't know. But anyway, uh, the rising thing, we got another suspect, y'all, yeah, on that thing. Uh, president's got a big dinner tonight with all the journalists who covered them, who cover uh, the White House. You know, it's once a year they have this big White House host this dinner for the uh for the media. <coughs> it normally turns into a uh, joke fest. <laughs> uh so uh here uh this evening uh, no different uh President did opt to uh, forego the jokes, <laughs> the uh, comedy part of that thing. Uh, he uh, neglected uh, to uh, cut some of that out. It, uh, in light of the uh, the recent events 
tragedy uh, in this country, including that stuff that went on out there in uh, Texas, y'all. That stuff that went on out there in Texas, y'all. That uh, that was some serious, uh, some serious stuff that went on out there in Texas. Uh, I made the comment, or well, the observation that. Uh, That uh, that uh, that explosion out there in West Texas that killed some fourteen people, left some two hundred wounded, through. I don't know if it was. The deregulations uh, that uh, the governor of Texas has been chirping about over the last few years, how great Texas was because the government has uh, withdrawn, has got out the way of uh, businesses coming there uh, in Texas to do business by uh, getting out their way with uh, these uh, uh, obsessive uh <laughs> Regulations, if you will, uh, no doubt this uh, appears to be one of those cases where uh, uh, we needed some more regulation here to uh, look at these uh, fertilizer plants and plants like that that house uh, dangerous uh, explosives. In this place, uh, from what all uh, I can tell. Uh, nobody was watching them. <laughs> and, and it looked like the federal government, uh, uh, Homeland Security, those folks didn't even know the plant existed. This guy got enough, they got enough stuff out there to blow up a whole town. Did blow up a whole town. <laughs> they got enough explosives out there that did blow up, a, in fact, a whole town. Injuring some 200 people, y'all. Killing 14. It killed four times more people than was killed by the terrorists up in Boston, y'all. Yeah, it killed four times the number of people that was killed at the Boston Marathon. This uh, uh, plant in West Texas, y'all. Now, surely... Surely, something is wrong there, yeah. If in fact these these type of operations are allowed to exist free of regulation, <laughs> free of all any kind of regulation, yeah. The president tried to introduce a bill back in 2006 when he was a senator that would curb or at least allow the federal government to keep track of high concentrations of, of the materials that were stored at this plant, you As it turned out, that bill, that 
uh, effort was dwarfed and uh, stymied by none other than one of Dick Cheney's subordinates. Yeah, yeah. Hey, this stuff is this stuff is crazy, yeah. One of Dick Cheney's crony or subordinates at the time uh, blocked uh, legislation that would have made it uh, 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 the law uh, that uh, these places had to be uh, 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 regulated by the federal government. Yeah, it's what it amounts to. So yeah, this is a tragedy, y'all. This this is serious stuff here. When when <laughs> this is hey, hey uh <clears throat> this is serious stuff here, y'all. That plant that blew up out there in West Texas that's not being regulated that Homeland Security didn't know nothing about. <laughs> you telling me that you think that's the only place in Texas? <laughs> That the Homeland Security don't know nothing about that how's that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, this is this is this is crazy, y'all. This is just plain crazy. Uh, Chris Hayes, y'all. He's on MSNBC. Come on at eight o'clock at night now. Just a great, great. Uh, I think he uh, shed light on it. He's uh, bringing attention to it. Uh, I hope he keep it up. It's a serious, serious matter. Every bit as dangerous, in my mind, as uh, the homegrown terrorist that uh, wrecked havoc up there at the Boston Marathon, yeah. Every bit as dangerous. Uh, as a homegrown terrorist uh, that we experienced uh, up in the uh, Boston Marathon. The unregulation of dangerous <laughs> uh, explosives uh, uh, in this country. In this country. We're talking about weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> you think silos of explosives <laughs> Explosive chemicals like the stuff that was housed out there at West uh, uh, Texas at that fertilizer plant. You don't think, you don't think those things are weapons of mass destruction if they ain't on everybody's list in this uh, country uh, that has an obligation to keep the citizens safe. Uh, we better we better we better uh, think again, y'all. We better get a grip on it, y'all. We cannot. The country cannot afford to allow uh, uh, places like that to exist without the federal government knowing about exactly <laughs> what those folks got got uh, uh, stored up. Yeah, it's dangerous. That's just like uh, uh, they worried about uh, uh, they worried about uh, 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 weapons of mass destruction in Syria getting into. Uh, <laughs> Getting into uh, 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 terrorist hands. What about the what about the hands of the homegrown terrorists here in this country? That that fertilizer, like Timothy McVeigh used to blow up the Murrah Bill, and out there in, in uh, Oklahoma City, uh, that's the same stuff that was out there in West Texas. What about that material getting into the hands of our <laughs> homegrown terrorists here in this country, y'all? 
who's protecting against that? Who uh, 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 on the right, by the way, is raising hell about uh, that fertilizer plant out there in West Texas not being <laughs> uh, sufficiently safeguarded against falling into the hands of our homegrown terrorists uh, here in this country? Uh, it's a dangerous, dangerous situation. Uh, Situation, y'all. We out here on the Hushmo Black Forum is gonna keep it uh, uh, in front of our audience as uh, best we can. Uh, we think it's relevant uh, here. This is a danger to the uh, uh, country, to the whole community, y'all. Not just the people out there in West Texas. It's those things are probably all over, uh, not only Texas, uh, all, all, <laughs> all over the deregulated uh, states uh, uh, like Texas, who uh, uh, whose governors are. Uh, crunching uh, uh, are uh, in a battle for every dollar they can get to uh, make the uh, state budgets uh, a balance. Uh, they, uh, it appear, would resort to uh, to uh, 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 overlooking uh, uh, protecting uh, the public safety here, y'all. In quest of uh, trying to. Uh, generate uh, this uh, this so-called uh, economic uh, growth. Uh, yeah. Newspaper out there in California ran, a, <laughs> ran this uh, cartoon uh, talking about uh, How business is booming in Texas, and, and uh, showed a description of that uh, this depiction of uh, uh, that uh, fertilizer plant blowing up <laughs> with uh, Governor Perry's uh, picture up there. The governor, he Governor Perry, that is he out there in Texas, he was highly. Uh, teed off about this, demanded uh, an apology from the newspaper out there in San Diego, I believe it was. Uh, one of the San Diego newspapers in California was mocking the government by uh, how uh, business was booming in Texas, and uh, one of the reasons why uh, is that he uh, he let them have free reign. He uh, uh, stopped regulating them, and it uh, led indirectly, maybe directly, to uh, that explosion out there in West Texas, y'all. So, yeah, we... we oh, I, the federal government is going to look into it. I mean, anytime that much explosive is floating around talking about, and Homeland Security don't know nothing about it exists, <laughs> don't even know that the plan exists? Come on, y'all. We... <laughs> We why why are we spending resources on why are we spending resources on investigating uh, the ties and the connections of the Boston uh, 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 terrorists up there? We need we better we better be uh, uh, spending some resources on finding out why. It is that that much firepower, <laughs> explosive fire, firepower, 
that can be converted into weapons of mass destruction and indeed proved out to be uh, just that in an accident <laughs> without even uh, trying to uh, uh, premeditate a, uh, a outcome. Just by accident, it killed 14 people and wounded over 200 uh, more. Just by accident. Now imagine, imagine if a uh, some homegrown terrorist had got their hands on it and uh, had uh, uh, in mind something like uh, Timothy McVeigh <laughs> to blow up a designated target. You know, how much damage they could have done with uh, uh just a little of that uh, uh, that uh, the explosive uh, uh, potential out there in that uh, fertilizer plant, yeah. and nobody in Homeland Security knew that that thing even existed. We better find out about that, West Texas. We better find out about that, yeah. And right away, we better find out about that, and right away. <laughs> we better find out about that and right away. We, we, you're talking about a security risk. Imagine that. Hey, you think the people who built schools across uh, schools and nurseries, y'all, was flattened almost, uh, damaged him, right across uh, the street from that uh, ticking time bomb of a of a hellhole out there in West Texas? That was a ticking time bomb, y'all. That's all it was. A ticking time bomb. That this government, Homeland Security, knew nothing about. Now, we think that government out there in Texas uh, owed the citizens of this country some uh, explanation here into why it is that uh, they allowed that thing to... uh, to uh, 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 to set there, uh, 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 pretty much unchecked in terms of regulations, and becoming a uh, literally a uh, a ticking time bomb that went off. Hey, hey, no, a ticking time bomb that did indeed go off and kill and maimed uh, hundreds of people. <laughs> hey, we got to find out about it, y'all. Hey, we got to find out about West Texas while we got some folks working on the terrorists up there in Boston. Lord knows the news media and everybody else is working on that. We got another immediate danger over here in West Texas. That's just as dangerous as the terrorists up there in Boston. Every bit of danger. The deregulation of time bombs like uh, the fertilizer plant that existed and do exist today uh, all over the country. And apparently, nobody, at least uh, 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 <laughs> uh, that I can find, uh, is uh, just keeping an eye on those boys. So yeah, we 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 gotta we gotta uh, uh, demand that our uh, that the federal government 
take a look at, uh, long and hard at uh, what's going on out there in West Texas. You've got a demand that the uh, uh, government of Texas. <laughs> oh, no, you, you can't just uh, uh, blow up uh, people like that. <laughs> oh, no, you you can't just let uh, uh, a corporation store uh, uh, what amounts to uh, uh, ticking time bombs uh, without uh, proper regulation, y'all. That becomes a national uh, uh, security issue in my mind. That is a national security issue in my mind. Uh, uh, that so much uh, potential uh, explosives could exist in one place, apparently with, with no uh, no security at all, none whatsoever. Homeland Security didn't know about it. Something's wrong here. Something is seriously wrong, y'all. We're going to continue to uh, to talk about it, y'all. I'm with Chris Hayes on this. We're going to uh, continue to follow this thing. This is some serious. Uh, this thing has some serious implications, y'all, on national security. Absolutely, every bit as serious as uh, the terrorists up in Boston, y'all. Every bit as serious as the terrorists in Boston. I think he. Hey, y'all, uh, we're going to, what is it, about 20 minutes to 8, y'all? Uh, we're going to take another quick pause for the calls, y'all. Y'all hanging there. We'll be right back. You got me in the hush mode here. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back to the National Black Forum. Hey, how Taz flying out here this evening? What is it about? Uh, wow, it's quarter to eight here, y'all. How time flies when you're having fun, as they say. And we 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 went off on a tangent on that that uh, West Texas thing, y'all. That that's some pretty serious uh, stuff that's going on out there, y'all. It's pretty serious stuff going on in the country, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Another little tidbit in the news is this evening is how is, uh, looking at how quickly uh, the Congress got together and uh, passed this emergency uh, stopgap <laughs> measure, if you will, to get the uh, air traffic controllers back to work. Uh, they had started laying off air traffic controllers and uh, uh, delays at the airport had got gotten up there one two hours delays at the airport and congressmen all had to fly home this week <laughs> while sitting in the airport. I suppose they came uh, to this uh, this revelation hit them that uh, this thing's going to affect me too here, y'all. Me, I can't be sitting in this airport no two three hours. And I got to get I got to get home. <laughs> I got to get home. They they uh, got back together to send it into Congress, y'all. Passed that bill in less than I don't I didn't pass so uh, uh, so quick. Uh, I I can't even uh, I don't even know if they debated the thing. They just went on and passed and got the uh, uh, yeah because it affected uh, their constituents, not just poor people. <laughs> oh no, poor people don't fly. <laughs> Hey, this thing affected uh, uh, rich folks, y'all. Yeah, that's who fly. People with money, business travelers. Hey, now it hasn't. Now, anytime you have delays like that in that airline system, now it's not just affecting uh, the uh, the vacation uh, traveler. This thing affects uh, business, our commerce, uh, to a. Uh, to a great extent, uh, uh, depends on uh, air travel and timely uh, air travel at that. Uh, yeah, the economy could suffer greatly if uh, it's allowed to uh, continue. Uh, so, but no doubt, uh, the consequences of uh, that sequester uh, uh, was starting to uh, uh, is starting to hit home uh, uh, with a lot of those. Uh, do nothing, uh, folks up there in Congress, y'all. And this this thing right here uh, brought it uh, uh, brought it to their attention in uh, a real, real uh, uh, devastating fashion. Anytime I travel, uh, slow down. Remember, it's not just about uh, inconvenience and uh, the uh, traveling public. That you know, uh, just ordinary traveling people who was going on some uh, vacation. Uh, but now. That's business our whole economy depends on air travel, timely air travel. A great deal of it depends on that. And they saw that uh, we finna screw up some stuff here, y'all. <laughs> we finna screw up a, a, a bunch of stuff right here. We better take care of this stuff before we take our butt home. Uh, you going to have Wall Street after you and everybody else with money after you. So, yeah, they got that thing done, not because of uh, some uh, pressure from uh, the general public, but from uh, the business community. Uh, 
business depend on uh, timely uh, air travel, yeah? That's how that thing got uh, resolved so quick. It wasn't about uh, no uh, traveling public, vacationers. Uh, who they don't care about. Uh, I, I should go up there, stand in line, stand in the airport for four hours. They wouldn't give a flip about it. But let, uh, let somebody from one of those big corporations who need to be somewhere on time tomorrow and, and have to delay uh, that uh, messes up a, a, a couple of hundred million dollar deal, <laughs> and he couldn't get there on time. Let those people start uh, 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 plans start to be interrupted, and uh, Congress uh, can be moved uh, and moved in a hurry, uh, as in this instance here. As in this instance, yeah. So yeah, we just uh, uh, it's just a shame, yeah. That uh, they don't uh, sense the urgency uh, to uh, to do their job uh, without uh, that almighty dollar uh, being brought to bear on the uh, facts. <laughs> it's just a shame that those folks don't uh, see a need to. Uh, do the people's business up there once they get an office at it. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer here, yeah. I don't know the answer to uh, to the quagmire that we have in uh, our Congress today. 2014, I, you know, I, I don't see how, I don't think anything's going to change. I don't see how anything's going to change in 2014. Now, somebody's going to lose some jobs up there. Somebody's got to lose some jobs up there, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Hey, the voting uh, public is uh, uh, bear some responsibility, yeah. The public, our citizens, we, <laughs> the people, we, the people, bear uh, a lot of this blame, yeah. What does do not, nothing Congress up there? Or we the people. Uh, or we the people share a lot of that blame, yeah. And putting those scoundrels up there. Now we know. We know the right over there. It's got their little uh, pocket of uh of people, tea partiers, uh, if you will. We 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 write now. My new project is going to be coming out here uh, sometime around uh, Thanksgiving, y'all. That's my fourth my fourth undertaking. I got three others and two other books in the hopper. Our father's people, and then my next well, the water boy, the life and trials of Jimmy C. Cameron is my first book. My next one, racism and hate, an American dilemma. Uh, it's a history document assays, and analysis of a racism uh, in this country, covering uh, covering the, uh, 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 the history. Of, we look at racism in this country from uh, uh, the country's inception. In fact, we, we kind of just trace it, uh, racism a history as it pertains to this country. Not, not you know, just this country. This is uh, my concern. 
uh, my concern only with racism has to do with uh, uh, racism as it exists in this country and the effects that it had on me, uh, my family, and my people here in this country, and the country itself, not just uh, Americans of African descent, but racism, don't just affect uh, other victims, yeah. Racism is ingrown. Uh, 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 it's an ingrown uh, a virus here, yeah, that affects uh, not only uh, the recipient but the uh, the giver uh, as well. Oh yeah, it it can affect. It's got a, it's got it's a two edge sword, y'all. Uh, I look at it in, uh, in my. In fact, my next book's going to be coming out is uh, my second undertaking, Racism and Hate. We've been working on three books at one time and for about the last two years. And it looks like Racism and Hate, an American Dilemma, uh, is going to be the first one to get published here in the next month or so, hopefully. It looks like we're pretty close to uh, finishing that, and that's going to be the next thing off of uh, our list. Racism and Hate, an American Dilemma is uh, the title of it. Uh, we take a look at uh, the history of racism in this country through uh, documents, through hundreds of documents, books, and essays, and analysis, and, uh, uh, and so forth. Uh, uh, then we look at uh, my family's history here in Georgia, which go back, uh, like I said, some 230 years back, at least to 1784. My great-great-granddaddy uh, Dan uh, Cameron's mother was born here in Georgia that year. So we we got quite a history. Uh, here in uh, uh, the state of Georgia, uh, in this country, to uh, draw on uh, when we uh, take when we uh, look at the subject of racism and hate and uh, how it affected uh, the country. So yeah, we take a look at that, and uh, just a fascinating uh, a read. We believe it's going to be a fascinating read because uh, when talking about racism uh, and hate in uh, the country, uh, a lot of it. Uh, uh, it's going on today in the uh, the political uh, uh, news talk shows on TV every day. He's talking about uh, uh, race relations and all this stuff, mainly because we've got a, a president of African descent now, no doubt, that uh, bring race, racism right to the forefront. So we, we, uh, me, uh, thought... Uh, it's a great time for me to uh, push, uh, put this book out, and bring it uh, uh, to uh, the reading audience, the public, uh, to uh, get our two cents in on this conversation here. We want to be a part of the conversation. We think we got a lot to uh, share. Uh, uh, we got a lot to share um, as far as our racism and hate go in this country. We we got a lot of, we got a lot to share and a lot to say about it. We believe anyway. Obviously, we, <laughs> we so uh, Peter Gary said, "Well, hey, obviously we we yeah we got a lot to say about it. Yeah, we we've been around in it, <laughs> lived it for some sixty eight years, y'all, through uh, the science of observation, <laughs> through the science of observation over sixty eight years here in this country. <laughs> we." Uh, has got a good uh, grasp of uh, just what it is, uh, ain't no doubt. So we we uh, we think uh, 
Oh yeah, we we got some new material. We got some. We got, we we think we got some new stuff for you too. Now we're not Henri Glay, as they say, Henri Glue. <laughs> uh, not normal, y'all. That's what that is, Henri Glue. I think it's French. Uh, <laughs> we we don't we don't pretend to be uh, out of the normal out here. <laughs> we somewhere else out here on the Hushmo Black Forum, y'all. We we got this new uh, paradigm that we uh, trying to put forth. <laughs> y'all don't know. Oh yeah, we we're not we're not normal out here. We ain't following no kind of <laughs> ain't nothing normal about us. Hey, we different, yeah. So yeah, we are excited. Racism and hate, y'all. An American dilemma is our our uh, next work that's going to be published. It's a history. Uh, it's a document. It's just a, uh, a chronicle of. Uh, we look at. Uh, racism and hate here in this country as it uh, uh, affected uh, me, my family, my people here in Georgia and in the country. It's a great read. It fits right in with the uh, conversation of the day. Um, Doing uh, no small part to the fact that uh, we've got an American African descent as president. And uh, it's brought uh, this this topic, (laughs) racism, uh, to the forefront here for the last uh, five and a half years since that man has taken office, y'all. So we we, uh, we we think we're going to add something to the conversation here, y'all, with our new book. Y'all, check us out on com, y'all. We're designing our website right now, so uh, we, we'll uh, have it out there when we uh, get back up. com, y'all, check uh, out my website there. Follow us on Facebook. We come to you live in living color every Saturday, though, y'all, out here on Blog Talk. We've got a call-in number, too, by the way, 888-588-3814, y'all. We've got a call-in number. We don't we don't take many calls out here. We will. We run this show. Back. Uh, we got a one-man uh, We got a one-man show out here, y'all, driving this uh, train. You got a hushboat driving this train by itself out here, y'all. We we doing the work of four people now. It takes four people to run a train a train to run it properly. <laughs> y'all don't know. Well, it takes four people to run the train, y'all. Everything from the engineer, the conductor, the brakeman, and a flagman make their way with the flag, y'all, in the caboose. Y'all don't know nothing about no trains, do you? Yeah, we <laughs> we we doing the work of four people out here, y'all. Just a little old me. Hey, we can do it now. Hey, hey no doubt. We can. We, can. <laughs> we got a call in number. Nonetheless, it's free. Free of charge, y'all. 1 888 Y'all tell a friend about us out here on the Hushbow Black Forum. Uh, come to you every Saturday, 7 to 9. We cover current events that affect our community. And that's just about everything that go on in the country, yeah. Everything that go on in the country affect our community, American Africans, no doubt. Yeah, we uh So right now, we uh trying to make sense of uh 
what's going on here in Georgia, y'all. What's going on here in Georgia with uh, uh, so much local crazy stuff is going on? You got you got a county here in Georgia, Wilcox, Wilcox County, y'all, where they still have segregated uh, proms, y'all, in high school. Now imagine this: black and white uh, kids go to uh, school together down there in Mac, uh, Wilcox County here in Georgia. But come graduation time, this time of year, they have two separate proms. The proms are segregated. Here in 2013, you know? Now, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know, y'all. My kids went to, went to uh, high school here in Atlanta. They uh, they went to school in ATL, y'all, in the city itself, and we didn't have... Uh, we didn't have that problem back in the eighties. I mean, I, I thought we—I forgot all that. I didn't realize anything even existed, like Wilcox County and the separated proms. It, it really just came to my—I uh, uh, thought that stuff that went by the wayside some years ago. But apparently, no. Twenty thirteen here still in Georgia, we've got segregated proms today here in the state. Now. Oh no, my my kids personally, <laughs> I I probably would not have had them uh, in a school in Wilcox uh, County. But now me is one thing, and the people who uh, uh, is there, that county uh, has a huge uh, black population and been there for two hundred years. Uh, uh, black population has been there 200 years, y'all. So those people are not going anywhere for whatever reason. They shouldn't have to go anywhere. Uh, if they, I don't, I don't know. I, I got some mixed emotions about uh, this. Uh, like I said, no way I would have had my kids up in that uh, environment there. No way. Not today. But uh, be that as it may, the people that are there uh, have a right to their own uh uh, expectations on this. I, I, to be honest, I have not uh, looked at uh, the arguments on uh, or uh, the uh, opinions of uh, the community there, the black community in Wilcox County. Now it's been all over the local radio here in town. Uh, people voicing. Uh, you know, this outrage that uh, how could such a thing still exist today in 2013. Uh, it, it, let's remember the proms. The proms. Now, I, I don't know. I believe that the proms are independent functions, uh, free of uh, the auspices of the school administration directly. I could be. I could be wrong in that. I could be wrong in that, but I think, and this do-nothing governor, crook of a governor that we have here, uh, uh, is telling the people that it's a uh, private matter, and he don't intend on doing anything uh, about it. Uh, whether or not he uh, have any kind of authority to do anything about it is another thing, too. Uh, so so there's no help there. He, he uh, this is just a do-nothing uh, uh, 
the situation in terms of uh, as far as the governor, yet he saw fit, fit to uh, fire uh, to remove a whole uh, uh, school board uh, uh, out in the ca- uh, in the cabin in Atlanta here, y'all. He saw fit to remove that old school board. Yet, and this is the, uh, it's a private matter, uh, so he says. So <laughs> we we I'm going to look at this. I, I really have got to look at this and see which way that the husband is going to come down on this thing, y'all. Because just just, uh, uh, looking at it over the last few days, I've not formed an opinion yet about which way uh, I believe uh, the community should go uh, down there in Wilcox County on this thing. I I really don't know yet. i got to look at it. i got to look at it. uh, uh, i got to look at it. If there's any federal dollars, if there's any school money tax dollars tied up in two proms, uh, yeah, there's a no-no there. That's a no-no there now. If there's any dollars tied up in the the proms where the kids go to, that's a duplication. If you're telling me you're spending uh, two uh, two sets of monies on two different proms, that's a no-no. Now, if the, if the proms are private, There's very little that can be done if the white students want to get together, rent out a private facility just for white for them. There's very little that uh, the blacks uh, can do about it. If it's all private money and all private, uh, they can have a prom at uh, one of the, uh, the white kids' house. Some of them got probably houses big enough to. <laughs> To house a high school problem, some of the folks are rich, probably. You know, so so you know, so so that 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 get uh, to be a little tricky. That get to be a little tricky. Tricky. If there's no school dollars tied up, no tax dollars tied up into uh, the uh, ceremonies on prom night. <coughs> My own kids. <laughs> My own kids, y'all. Hey, the hushmo. Uh, would not be uh, uh, running to uh, uh, send them to no prom with nobody <laughs> that uh, uh, didn't want them there. Not today. No way. Uh, would not be rushing to go to a prom night with anybody who did not uh, want to uh, be in my kids' company. Don't you know <laughs> that? Uh, <ooh. laughs> hey, that's just me, y'all. Like I said, those people who live there in Wilcox County, we got to get a little better feel for their aspirations on uh, this uh, thing. But yeah, today there is such a thing here in Georgia still, y'all. Uh, segregation uh, when it comes to our education, <coughs> and yeah, proms are <coughs> part of our education, <laughs> our growing up, our uh, maturing into uh, uh, adulthood. Um, in my mind, oh yeah, they're important. That's an important uh, social part of our uh, uh, psyche here, as uh, young, uh, young, young adults here. So we, we're going to take a look at that. We're going to take a look at it and try to form some kind of opinion. Send out some queries to uh, some of the uh, 
people in the community see what kind of feel feedback we can get on it because we, like I said, we if if the problems are somehow tied to taxpayers' dollars, uh, if any taxpayers' dollars are spent on it and have to be spent on two separate problems, something is wrong. There you go. <laughs> something is seriously wrong. But on the other hand, it was a private matter. And uh, the way people want to get together and have a separate prom for their kids, uh, 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 that's on them. I would not, my kid would not uh, be forcing uh, uh, (laughs) the issue there. Not today. Uh -uh. Not today, not me. Uh, So, yeah, there's there's, there's more to to this in a broader uh, scale, y'all. So we we have to look at it. Hey y'all. Wow, it's about ten minutes after you. After eight o'clock, y'all. This time is getting away from us this evening. <laughs> Welcome out here on the Hushmo Black Forum, y'all. You got me in the Hushmo. We we all over the place. Uh, we just got some heavy stuff going on, y'all. Some heavy things going on here, y'all. Ain't no doubt. So we, we try to keep abreast. That's what's going on here. We we uh <sighs> we uh It's about ten minutes after. We, we're going to take another quick break, and we're going to come back and look at our uh, one of our twelve disciples, W. E. B. Du Bois. Kind of give you a little uh, little take on him as we uh, get through our twelve disciples, as we uh, chronicle in uh, our new work, our twelve disciples, the rise and fall of Jim Crow. Uh, we're going to take a look at him on the other side of the break, y'all. One Mr. W. E. B. Du Bois. Y'all hang in there. We'll be right back. Advocating on your behalf, you're listening to the Hushmo Black Forum. Tell your friends about us. Saturdays, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Right here in cyberspace.
Welcome back. Welcome back to the Hashmo Black Forum here. It's about, uh, wow, 8.15 here, y'all. April 22nd. Not April 27th, y'all. Hashmo, where, where you at? <laughs> hey, uh, it's been a, April, uh, April 27th, 2013, y'all. Hey, it's Taurus. Uh, it's the age of Taurus, y'all. Taurus the bull, y'all. Y'all keep up with that stuff. I've got a daughter. Want to wish her a uh, happy birthday. Coming up on April 30th, y'all. This coming Tuesday is her birthday. Yeah, she's a Taurus. Uh, my oldest daughter. Want to wish her a happy birthday. Pre-happy birthday. Wow, the husband's getting old, y'all. We ain't going to pass out no age out here, y'all. <laughs> we ain't going to pass out her age anyway. But uh, the husband's getting on up there, y'all. Hey, no doubt. We're going to take a look at uh, one of our 12 disciples that told you here. Uh, it's uh, our latest work, our latest project, Our 12 Disciples, The Rise and Fall of Jim Crow. Um, just uh, dealing with... Uh, Taking a look at uh, the separate equal laws here in the country that we lived under uh, for some 90 years after the Civil War, y'all, up until 1954. We kind of write about that period in our history and look at uh, some of the heroes that uh, helped guide us through that uh, period. Uh, kind of tell this story and kind of bring this story together into one uh, into one uh, into one thing one driving uh, thing if you will we're going to take a look at uh, one of those 12 disciples tonight one Mr. W.E.B. Du Bois uh, you all I'm sure have heard of uh W.E.B. Du Bois, but then a lot of our people have not. This guy has somehow kind of got lost uh, in history. <laughs> like a lot of our uh, heroes have, and we, uh, I believe, we have a duty to uh, to tell these uh, folks history here, y'all, to keep these folks' history in our uh, kids' uh, psyche. Uh, at every at every chance, we, we've got to write about them, talk about them, preach about them, uh, tell our history, tell our uh, history to our kids, pass this history on to our kids, so that they'll know that uh, indeed uh, they didn't just get to where they are today. Now, true enough, we still uh, got a long ways to go out here today, but we wouldn't be where we are today without uh, the work the great, great work of uh, some of our people here. And we try to, uh, we don't want uh, uh, our greatest heroes' uh, history to get lost. Uh, we want to tell it ourselves. We want to tell our story. We don't want to rely on everybody else telling our story because <laughs> we, 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 as a people, uh, ha- I have to uh, to tell our story ourselves. At the very least, we have to tell our, our part of it. You know, tell it as as we see it, yeah, we have to 
tell our own story as we see it. Uh, that's important, yeah. Um, Carter G. Woodson pointed that out, uh, brought it to my attention. Carter G. Woodson, y'all, he's one of my 12 disciples too now. He's coming up here. But Carter G. Woodson wrote about the miseducation of the Negro back in the early 1930s. And one of the things that he harped on back then was uh, in order for us as a people to uh, achieve uh, the best possible education for uh, our people, for our people here in the country, we had to rest. We had to, uh, uh, first of all, educate uh, uh, our people about our history. Uh, our own history here. First of all, we had to uh, somehow take control of uh, uh, educating our own people. Uh, And then uh, uh, when we uh, did that, we had to uh, 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 teach them about our own uh, people, our own history here. And uh, that was heavier. And uh, now uh, looking at where we are here today in the society and just analyzing uh, our history over the last uh, 90 years or so, I see exactly what uh, Carter G. Wilson was talking about back then in terms of uh, we have to uh, educate our people about our people, we, and we have to do it ourselves. We can't allow someone else to educate our people about our, us because <laughs> no doubt in that scenario, <clears throat> a lot of our history <laughs> – uh, uh, in the translation, uh, get lost. <laughs> when we rely on other folks to tell our history, a lot of our history get lost in the translation, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, no doubt. So we have to. Uh, uh, so yeah, is what I is uh, what I try to do. Add my little two cents. That's why I like writing about our people, my family uh, history here in this country. And uh, just so happened, we're taking a look at one Mr. W.E.B. Du Bois as one of our uh, 12 disciples in our new work. Uh, now, and, and, I tell, and I told you, uh, uh, my, my book that's coming out next, Racism and Hate, an American Dilemma, uh, also uh, includes a chapter about one uh, Mr. W.E.B. Du Bois, because I found out <clears throat> when writing that book, <clears throat> when I started researching uh, that book, ah, uh, wow, now we're talking about three, four years ago, 2009. <sighs> yeah, around 2009, we were just wrapping up uh, my first book, The Water Boy, and I uh, started looking at... Uh, Racism and hate in the country because remember uh, the uh, Barack Obama. Well, in fact, I started looking at this when he started running for president back in 2008. I guess it was 2007, 2008. Uh, really, yeah, with this guy uh, winning that election, winning the Democratic nomination, all kinds of uh, anger uh, uh, <laughs> showed us ugly head. The all kind of hatred showed us ugly head. That when that guy got that nomination there. So I started looking back at uh, 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 racism in the country as it uh, affected me uh, uh, as a kid growing up here in Georgia and uh, my family's history here in Georgia and just how that whole uh, thing uh, had a bearing on uh, uh, my family in the country. 
racism, racism and hate. So I went back and started looking at it uh, uh, over the last five years. You know, ever since this president been in office, I've been researching the subject matter of uh, racism and hate here in this country through uh, historical uh, events, through uh, uh, hundreds of documents, books, essays, and analysis of those uh, events and uh, uh, things here. Over the last five years, I, I researched the subject matter here in this country, uh, took racism and uh, traced its history. I traced uh, racism history, yeah, way back to uh, Nicholas Five, Nicholas Five, y'all, back in 1452. Issued what was known then as a uh, papal bull. This is a directory uh, directive that come from the popes of the Catholic Church back then. Uh, uh, various directives. Uh, this particular one was known as the Dom Diversa that gave. No, listen. This is uh, this Dom Diversa gave uh, gave permission to uh, the kings of Portugal and Spain to enslave the West Africans. Uh, at that time, the heathens, uh, any heathen that uh, wasn't uh, Christian at the time, had the authority from uh, the Pope. Nicholas Five here, y'all, through this Dom Diversa to be enslaved. <laughs> that ushered in uh, uh, the West African slave trade, y'all. History recorded it, and we talked about that. Uh, so, yeah, W.E.B. Du Bois, at, a very, uh, at the very beginning of my research on the subject matter of racism and hate, uh, I quickly ran into him. And this is, like I said, 2008, nine, when uh, the president was running for office. And uh, I ran into, uh, uh, started researching uh, the phenomenon that was racism. Pretty much uh, came to the conclusion through uh, that research that racism, as we know it, is a phenomenon of uh, these United States, y'all. Yeah? <laughs> I'm sorry. From my research, I that word racism, and look it up. Well, go to go to West and see where the root word come from. It says the root of it it uh, uh, come from uh, sometime around the early 1600s, y'all. <laughs> Guess what? Uh, that word got into the English language, uh, uh, no doubt, after this country <laughs> was formed, y'all. That, that word is directly related to the good old United States of America, y'all. No doubt. No doubt. So we looked at it from that time forward, from that dumb verse of that uh, Nicholas Fab issued in 1452. Catholic Church at that time was the most powerful uh, religious organization in the world, yeah? That Catholic Church was. Oh, yeah. And you remember that? That was right during a that uh, Protestant uh, Reformation, all that stuff was going on over there during that time. The King of England was mad at the Pope and decided to, King James, you know, you know he decided to break off from that Catholic Church and wrote his own Bible, had his own Bible, wrote King James, back today. Uh, <laughs> hey. So, but that uh, Catholic uh, Pope at that time was, uh, he had Hancho, uh, more powerful than most kings, you know? He gave the authority to the king, the moral authority, the moral authority he gave to the king uh, of uh, Portugal and Spain to enslave people, you know? I, hey, I, I don't know where he got that authority from. He's 
say, the direct uh, spokesman for for uh, Jesus of Nazareth. <clears throat> the Pope claimed to be a direct vessel for uh, Jesus of Nazareth, the keeper of the keys to heaven's gate. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the Pope saying. Uh, hey, hey, I don't. <laughs> hey, don't don't get the husband involved in that. But yeah, we we traced. Uh, uh, racism from that one single papal bull, that domniversa that gave uh, rise to that African slave trade. Yeah. We trace it from there. So, so yeah, we uh, it, we off on a tangent here. We're gonna get back to W. E. B. Du Bois now. Like I said, when we started tracing uh, racism in this country. Yeah. I, you know, I quickly found too that uh, you can't talk about, uh, you can't think about, you can't uh, have any kind of conversation about, or write about, uh, uh, or analyze uh, the subject matter without crossing paths uh, with uh, this brilliant uh, man, W.E.B. Du Bois. You can't talk about race in this country without uh, uh, running across him. This guy, in my opinion, my humble opinion, was and still is the greatest social scientist to study Americans of African descent this country has ever uh, produced. Yeah, the greatest social scientist to study our history here in this country uh, that the country has ever uh, produced until this day. Still, the greatest social scientist that this country has ever produced uh, when it comes to studying uh, the history of Americans of African descent. That's W.E.B. Du Bois, y'all. That guy was uh, truly light years ahead of his time. Truly light years uh, ahead of his time. W.H. Bennett a professor uh, of sociology, some university here, described him this way. He broke it down into a nutshell when describing uh, W.E.B. Du Bois. W.H. Bennett described him this way. W.E.B. Du Bois, born in the small English town of Great Barrington, traversed the halls of government, palaces of royalty, and national and international platforms. On this journey, he would occupy the roles of historian, sociologist, poet, editor, lecturer, organizer, assayist, propagandist, civil rights activist, humanitarian, diplomat, and advocate for peace. Du Bois out of the course, few would even dare to dream, much less live. His impact can be seen from Africa to Asia, from America to China, and from France to Russia. Through it all, amidst praise and damnation, pride and humiliation, hope and despair, Du Bois remains singularly directed toward confronting and defeating the color line. Du Bois ultimately became identified 
with the plight of the American diaspora and their refusal to accept anything less than freedom. He used the scholarship, poetry, fiction, and diplomacy to advance the cause of blacks everywhere. His unquestioned place in the black struggle, American and world history, is only now, 30 years after his death, being fully appreciated and openly acknowledged. This is, uh, 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 Mr. Bennett wrote this in 1993 uh, about uh, describing uh, that. That's 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 pretty much the. Uh, capture uh, the essence of this great uh, American uh, in a nutshell. Here 20 years later, here 20 years later, (laughs) uh, we still uh, haven't uh, came to grips with just how great this guy was, y'all. The first great work of uh, Dr. Du Bois, uh, uh, the first great work that this guy done uh, was his uh, dissertation on the suppression of the slave trade. His dissertation, y'all, was done in 1896 on suppression of the slave trade while at Harvard University, yeah, got his doctorate. The first black uh, American of African descent to get a doctorate at Harvard. W.E.B. Du Bois, yeah. Yeah, got his uh, dissertation there. Eighteen ninety-six, got his doctorate there, rather. His dissertation was on suppression of the slave trade, by the way, which is still which is still today in the Harvard uh, Library, the leading authority on that subject matter, (laughs) y'all. Hey, suppression of the slave trade to America is still today (laughs) the leading authority on uh, the subject matter at the University of Harvard (laughs) in the library today, y'all. Now, this guy was unique in that uh, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois spent most of his uh, graduate, uh, did most of, a lot of his graduate uh, study at the University of Berlin, you know? <clears throat> Yeah, at the uh, University of Berlin. He went there in uh, 1892 and uh, uh, worked there for two years, did most of his, uh, his graduate work there. In fact, uh, uh, a lot of historians credited uh, his time there at the University of Berlin with the uh, 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 credit uh, that as uh, being when he came of uh, intellectual age at the University of Berlin. This guy was a genius, y'all. Spoke some like four languages. W.B. Du Bois did. Spoke fluent German. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this guy spoke German, <laughs> French, English. He's <laughs> a brilliant guy, yeah. This guy went to uh, University of Berlin on a on a a graduate uh, scholarship from uh, the State Department, y'all. Yeah? 
from the State Department. They sent him over there for two years uh, to do graduate work until they found out what he was doing as a dissertation on the suppression of the slave trade. They canceled that thing so quick it was crazy. It made him come back here to finish that work at Harvard, and uh, which he did. Uh, got his doctorate uh, from Harvard. One of the first PhDs out of Harvard, y'all, by American Radicals in 1892. Now, he was there with some heavy folks there. While he was there, he ran into one, Mr. William uh, Monroe Trotter. <laughs> they became they became buddies, y'all. <laughs> one Mr. William Monroe Trotter, y'all. Uh, him and uh, W.B. Du Bois later on formed uh, that Niagara movement, the precursor of the NAACP. Yeah, precursor of the NAACP, which uh, Mr. Uh, W. E. Du Bois had a hand in forming there in uh, 1909, 1909, yeah. Yeah, the uh, NAACP. Uh, uh, Mr. Du Bois worked on the formation of that thing after uh, forming that uh, Niagara Movement. Niagara Movement, by the way, that came about around 1905, I believe, the uh, first beginnings of it put together by... Uh, uh, William Monroe Trotter and uh, W.B. Du Bois. Now, William Monroe Trotter, y'all, that's one of our disciples, too. Y'all don't know. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, he's one of our disciples now. We we got him coming up next week. <laughs> yeah, one Mr. William Monroe Trotter. But uh, so we, we ain't going to get too deep into him, but this guy's heavy. Oh, yeah, he's heavy. Uh, a Harvard graduate back in uh, the day, back in the early days when <laughs> – yeah, so uh, 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 that Niagara movement put together by one W.B. Du Bois and one Mr. William Monroe Trotter was a precursor of that uh, uh, NAACP. One of the things that uh, uh, W.B. Du Bois and uh, uh, the other folks hooked uh, 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 up with the Niagara movement found that uh, they needed uh, white people to uh, help move uh, their cause along. Now, they all advocating on, uh, 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 remember what's going on here. Remember what's going on in 1905. They all advocating on uh, uh, overthrowing uh, separate equal laws. They're trying to get rid of Plessy, uh, what it amounts to. They are railing uh, against Plessy in 1905. They are railing. Plessy got us... uh, (laughs) Plastic. That's that rise of Jim Crow, y'all. We read in the rise of that thing is on the march. Nineteen oh five Jim Crow was on the march, y'all. We read in the throes of it. Uh yeah, no fourteenth amendment rights whatsoever here in this country, uh, uh, uh to speak of. Not not economically. It was suffocating the education uh, in the and in the workplace. The two places that matter most in, in this society, the workplace and education, education in the workplace, are our lifelines. We can't, uh, there's no way for us to uh, progress beyond, uh, <coughs> uh, there's no way for us to uh, progress in the society if we're segregated out of those two, uh, uh, <coughs> those two, uh, 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 uh Uh, if we're seg- uh, se- uh, segregated out of those two uh, institutions in the society, the education uh, institution and the workplace, <coughs> if we have no 14th Amendment rights in those two places, we're in trouble here in the society. And sure enough, uh, we were in trouble and did suffer greatly 
because of uh, uh, those uh, 14th Amendment violations there. So in 1905, W.E.B. Du Bois and one, uh, one uh, Mr. Uh, William Monroe Trotter, along with several other of our uh, 12 disciples at that time, remember, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, <coughs> in 1905, uh, Booker T. Washington, W. Du Bois, uh, William Monroe uh, Trotter, all those guys were involved in the struggle uh, uh, to uh, rid us of uh, uh, the evils of uh, separate equal. This, yeah, they was in the struggle back then to rid our community of uh, the evils of that uh, separate equal thing, that plessy, all of them, uh, these disciples here that I've uh, put together, all of them uh, was in that struggle to uh, <coughs> to get Plessy uh, to overthrow Plessy. This thing went on, y'all. This struggle went on. Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois was a part of it. Right up until uh, it was overthrown. Believe me, this guy lived a long time. W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, remember, he was born in uh, uh, 1868. W.E.B. Du Bois lived until 1963. August 27th, he died in 1963 in Ghana somewhere, out of the country. Damn near uh, a refugee. <coughs> Damn near uh, uh, boycotted out of the country, yeah. There's been some doubt. But anyway, yeah, he fought the struggle uh, to overthrow Plessy all his life. All his life, for 60-something years, he fought the struggle, yeah. W.E.B. Du Bois did and was instrumental in this overthrow through his uh, advocacy, through his uh, genius. <laughs> yeah. The group. Now, remember, he was a big part of the NAACP. And uh, the, law, the the group put together by uh, Mordecai Johnson. Mordecai Johnson, yeah. The group put together by Mordecai Johnson there at Howard University drew heavily on uh, the work, the research, and the scholarship of uh, Mr. W.E.B. Du Bois. Oh, yeah, they drew heavily on his scholarship. Remember, this guy was our greatest social scientist. This guy had, uh, he had uh, did all the work uh, about uh, our history and uh, uh, where we stood in the society and how we got there. Yeah. His greatest work, by the way, <clears throat> may have been his greatest work after uh, the uh, suppression of the uh, slave trade, the work he did in uh, uh, 1896, suppression of the slave trade. His next greatest work may have been a capsulation that he put together to present to <clears throat> to present to the United Nations. In 1947, his greatest piece of work may have been that uh, a work that he done that he put together in 1957 while with uh, the NAACP to present to the United Nations back then. Remember, the United Nations back then was a new organization, brand new, freshly put together after World War II, y'all. 
Yeah, they dealt with that. They was they had a whole section dealing with human rights. Remember the Jews had just been persecuted over in Germany. Human rights was a big issue uh, when it came to white people's human rights. Uh, yeah, the Jews over there in uh, uh, Europe, uh, they uh, had that on the top burner. So uh, W.E.B. Du Bois and the uh, NAACP decided that uh, no one group of people was more discriminated against than uh, Americans of Africa sitting right here in this country, red right thin. So in 1947, they, uh, uh, W. Du Bois uh, put this uh, uh, critique together to present to the United Nations in hope that uh, they would uh, bring light and attention on the plight of uh, Americans of Africa sent back then in 1947 who had fought and died in every war this country had had but yet was still a second class citizen here in the country and was widely discriminated against at that time who lived here in this society without 14th Amendment protections at that time. In 1947, y'all were talking about. This was seven years before Brown. Seven years before Brown the return of a Plessy. He drew this, uh, 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 he drew this work from work that he had titled Three Centers of Discrimination Against the Negro. He uh, broke, he, he, uh, that work, Three Centers of Discrimination Against the Negro, which W.E.B. Du Bois had wrote over years, he uh, broke that thing down. Uh, and uh, just uh, came up, highlighted the most important uh, parts of our struggles here over that time. And uh, he was going to present that to the United Nations, their uh, Civil Rights Division, in hope that they would uh, bring pressure on the United States about uh, the discrimination that was going on here in this country. Uh, at the same time, remember, I told you all, racism uh, uh has to do with uh, 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 these United States of America, even though now, uh, listen at this, the story has it that some six million Jews was killed in Germany. That's, that that figure is still debatable. There's a lot of folks killed over there. Hitler killed a lot of folks, no doubt. But, uh, was not had nothing to do with racism, y'all. Let's, let's get that. Now, right now, today, they kind of, uh, tried to equate with what happened with the Jews over there in Germany to racism. But it wasn't racism. Remember, all those folks are white. Couldn't have been racism. All those folks are white. Now, did, uh, there was a xenophobia against uh, uh, the Jewish religions, uh, religion over there. So xenophobia, xenophobia, uh, is uh, what went on in uh, uh, Germany when it comes to t uh, uh, dealing with uh, the Jews and their uh, 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 discrimination. That was uh, had more to do with xenophobia, uh, more so than racism. Those are two different things. Yeah? Those are two different things. Remember that. Xenophobia is different than racism. Racism has to do with uh, one race of people feeling superior to another. 
Now, that's what racism is. All those folks over there in Germany, whether they be Jew or German, was Caucasians. They were of the Caucasian race. Make no mistake about that. Hitler's mother was Jewish. Hitler's own mother was Jewish, y'all. Had nothing to do with racism. Had nothing to do with racism over there, y'all. That was xenophobia. We can't. (laughs) Yeah, racism existed here in this country. Dealing with uh, white folks here in this country feeling superior to uh, the Africans uh, that they imported here as slaves, y'all. It became a part of their psyche to the extent that uh, I contend that it uh, today may be uh, <laughs> somehow passed on in their DNA. Hey, that's just my... <laughs> hey, that's more to it, y'all. University of Texas did a whole study on uh, whether or not a six-month-old baby could be a racist. W.E.B. Du Bois' dissertation to the United Nations in 1947 may have been his greatest work ever, y'all, and it's hard to find. You can't even find a copy of it. The average person cannot even find a copy of uh, just what it was uh, that he uh, wrote uh, or uh, to take to the United Nations in 1947. I want anybody out there in uh, uh, cyberspace to go find a copy of it. It was published. I'll let you know it was published in 1947 in the crisis in December of 1947 in the 54th uh, issue of the Crisis Magazine. That's the uh, NAAC's uh, magazine that it put out monthly at one time. Uh, now I think it may become quarterly. I don't know. I get one. I'm a member, but uh, I get one every quarter. Look like to me, but this is uh, their uh, December edition in 1947. He published this. Uh, I'm going to read it verbatim here if time allows. It starts out. This is his W.E.B. Du Bois dissertation to uh, uh, the United Nations in 1947. By the way, that our government blocked. Uh, uh, him from circulating uh, to uh, uh, the body that needed it, although 10 countries did uh, request a copy of it and read it. No action was ever taken on this uh, 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 request from uh, the NAACP through W.E.B. Du Bois. It starts out thus. There were in the United States of America in 1940 12 million native-born citizens, something less than a tenth of the nation's uh, uh, population, who form largely a segregated caste with restricted legal rights and many illegal disabilities. They are descendants of the African they are descendants of the Africans brought to America during the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries, yeah, and reduced to slave labor. This group has no complete biological unity, but varies in color from white to black, and comprise a great variety of physical characteristics since many are the offsprings of white European Americans, as well as of Africans 
and American Indians. There are a large number of white Americans who also descend from Negroes, but who are not counted in the color group, nor subjected to caste restrictions because the preponderance of white blood conceals their descent. (coughs) The so-called American Negro group, therefore, while it is in no sense absolutely set off physically uh, from its fellow Americans, has nevertheless a strong hereditary cultural unity born of slavery, of common suffering, prolonged prescription and curtailment of political and civil rights, and especially because of economic and social disabilities, largely from the fact have arisen their cultural gifts to America, their rhythm, music, folk song, their religion, uh, their religious faith and customs, their contribution to American art and literature, their defense of their country in every war on land, sea, and in the air, especially the hard, continuous toil upon which the prosperity and wealth of this continent has largely been built. This group has long been internally divided by the lemma as to whether its striving upwards should be aimed at strengthening its intercultural and group bonds, both for intrinsic progress and for offensive power against caste of whether it should seek escape wherever and however possible into the surrounding American culture. Decisions uh, in this matter has been largely determined by outer compulsions rather than inner plan. For prolonged policies of segregation and discrimination have involuntarily welded the mass almost into a nation within a nation, with its own schools, churches, hospitals, newspapers, and many business enterprises. The result has been to make American Negroes, to a wide extent, provincial, introvert, self-conscious, and narrowly raised loyal. But it has also inspired them to frantic and often, and often successful efforts to achieve to deserve, to show the world their capacity to share modern civilization. As a result, there is almost no area of American civilization in which the Negro has not made credible showing in the face of all his handicaps. If, however, the effective color caste system in the North American Negro has been both good and bad, its effect on white America has been disastrous. It has repeatedly led the greatest modern attempt at the democratic government to deny its political ideas, to falsify its philanthropic assertions, and to make its religion to a great extent hypocritical. A nation which boldly declared that all men are created equal proceeded to build its economy on shadow slavery. Masters who declared race mixture impossible, (coughs) 
sold their own children into slavery and left a mulatto uh, progeny, which neither law nor science can to date disentangle. Churches which excuse slavery as calling the heathen to God uh, churches which excuse slavery as calling the heathens to God refuse to recognize the freedom or converts or admit them to equal communion. This is the churches, y'all. Hey, let's go back. This is W. E. Du Bois. He said this about churches. Masters who declared race mixture impossible sold their own children into slavery and left a mulatto progeny, <coughs> which neither law nor science can to today disentangle. Churches which excuse slavery as calling the heathens to God refuse to recognize the freedom of converts or admit them to equal communion. Sectional strife over the profits of slave labor and conscientious revolt against making human beings real estate led to bloody civil war and to a partial emancipation of slaves, which nevertheless, even to this day, is not complete. Poverty, ignorance, disease, and crime have been forced on these unfortunate victims of greed to an extent far beyond any social necessity. Let's go back. Poverty, ignorance, disease, and crime have been forced on these unfortunate victims of greed to an extent far beyond any social necessity and a great nation which today ought to be in the forefront of the march toward peace and democracy find itself continuously making common cause with race hate, prejudice, exploitation, and oppression of the common man. It's had noble words are turned against uh, it because they are contradicted in every syllable by the treatment of the American Negro for 328 years. Slavery in America is a strange and contradictory story. <clears throat> it cannot be regarded as mainly either a theoretical problem of morals or a scientific problem of race. From either of these points of view, the rise of slavery in America is simply inexplicable. Looking at the facts, frankly, slavery evidently was a matter of economics, a question of income and labor rather than a problem of right and wrong, or of the physical. Once slavery began to be the source of vast income for men and nations, there uh, followed frantic search for moral and racial justification. Search accusers was found. Such excuses were, were found, and men did not inquire too carefully into whether their logic, whether their logic or truth. The twenty-fourth in nineteen were not the first who had landed on these uh, continents. For a century, 
A small number of Negroes had been arriving as servants, as laborers, as free uh, adventurers in the southeast. Hey, uh, that's, we, we're about halfway through uh, W.E.D. Boer's uh, presentation to the United Nations. We're going to leave it off there and finish this thing next week. It's as heavy, y'all. Uh, we're going to finish it for you verbatim. The, uh, 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 the presentation to the United Nations is 1947, y'all. We're going to leave it right there with y'all. We're going to be back from us, y'all. We really did enjoy it. Uh, right back next week, the continuation of W.E.B. Du Bois. Y'all uh, hang tight and have a good week here. Until next week, ciao, y'all. We're going to end it right here. See y'all next week. Y'all be good. The Hushmo Black Forum, advocated on your behalf by covering news and events affecting the African-American community. Check us out at the Hushmo Black Forum, www.blogtalkradio.com. Dot com.